Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad that you chose to hang out with us today. Do you have anyone in your life who is a negative influence? Is there anyone in your life who is just always complaining, they're always griping, they're always being critical? Have you someone in your life that you would say, uh, you know, there is someone that when I'm around this person, I actually feel worse about myself than I do better. How, how many of you have someone like that? Just raise your hand, okay? Now, I have a feeling that for many of you, whoever that person is that you were thinking of, that they're in your family. Because the truth is, there is a spiritual proven principle, and it's this. Every family has a psycho. Every single family that exists has a psycho in their family. Now, just to prove my point, and it's more fun when everyone participates, so everyone on the stream, you participate as well, everyone in the balcony, everyone here, how many of you would say that there is a family member, maybe it's extended family, but there is a family member who is a difficult psycho. Just raise your hand, leave your hand up once you raise it. Leave your hand up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Now keep your hands up. I want you to look at the people that are not raising their hands. Guess what? You're the psycho in your family. Just joking, just joking. If you're here for the first time, you're like, I don't raise my hands. Well, you'll learn to do that if you come here, you know. Um, but you might be that person, I don't know. Well, today, what I want to do is I want to talk about hot mess relationships that are in our world. And the thing about a hot mess is that if we don't take some actions, it can actually pollute, it can corrupt, it can destroy our relationships. In fact, Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus's closest friends, said this. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, at first glance, when we look at this, we're like, oh, I get this. Bad company corrupts good character. And then you would think, well, then good company Good company then should actually kind of lift up any bad character. But when you do that, you forget what he said at the very beginning. The very first sentence was what? Do not be what? Misled. Don't be misled because the truth is, is that more often than not, it is the bad company that affects us more than us trying to change the bad company. Because more often than not, the bad company is going to pull you down rather than good company being able to pull others up. Because this is true, folks. Stuff rubs off. Stuff rubs off. Bad stuff around people can rub off. When I was six or seven years old, uh, there was a young boy that moved in a couple houses down, and his name... Uh, is Jeff. 
And Jeff was a couple years older than me, and I really looked up to Jeff, and I wanted to be like Jeff, and whatever Jeff kind of did, I did, and pretty soon, my normal behavior began to change. For example, I remember one day we were in his barn, and we were looking at these pigeons, and I always liked looking at the pigeons, and then Jeff said, let's take the pigeons out. He got his BB gun, bam, 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 he shot the pigeons. I thought to myself, I want to be like that. I took that gun. I said, I can do that too. And all of a sudden, I did something I'd never done before in my life. Then, on top of that, uh, one day we were near a school bus. And Jeff said, let's throw rocks to see who can get the closest without hitting it. And so we start throwing these. Sounds like a good idea, right? We start throwing these rocks. And I throw a rock and I shatter part of this. It was a Texas migrant council bus. I mean, poor you know, Texas migrants from Mexico coming in, and I shattered part of the glass. And then, all of a sudden, I started having colorful language, like uh, Jeff did as well. And uh, one word that he said all the time was the F word. And uh, he would say that, and so I would uh, say that as well. And uh, I didn't know what the word meant, but Jeff said it with such a bravado that I saw, thought, you know, this is cool. I'm going to do it too. And I started walking around. I'll never forget. I was walking around the church parsonage. My dad was a pastor. Yeah. The church is right beside us. And I'm just throwing out F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. We didn't have any, any air conditioning in the parsonage. And uh, my mom overheard this and she didn't go off, but she said, Chris, come in here. And she sat me down and she said, Chris, where did you hear that word? And I said, well, Jeff uses that word. And she goes, oh, and she goes, well, do you know what the word means? I said, no, actually, I said, F no. But anyways, you know, (laughs) I really did. You can ask my mom, true story. And she was very patient with all of this. And, and, and so I said that and, and she said, well, it's a very degrading word for women. And God doesn't want you to say that word. And she said, if you say that word, you may have a word on your behind from your dad. A hot mess there. You see, folks, stuff rubs off. It really does. Bad company corrupts good character. And on that day, what I learned was that bad stuff, if you're around it long enough, it actually can rub off. I mean... Some of you, you actually work in workplaces where profanity runs rampant. Let me ask you this question. Can profanity rub off? Yeah. Okay, some of you work in sales. It's all about getting the next sale, and you're working and working and working and working. More sales, more sales, more sales. Money, 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 money. You know, it's all about the money. And you're doing this, and you're doing this. and Can greed rub off? Yeah, greed can rub off. Can anger rub off? Can violence rub off? If you go to the bar and there's over-drinking all around you, can over-drinking rub off? Yeah. So what types of toxic company should we actually be careful about? Because they can rub off. Well, I want to share with you kind of three Three common ones. The first one is the chronically negative. This is your first uh, fill-in. For those of you that are on the stream, you can put it on your phone. The chronically negative. Whenever you're around this person, they just tend to drag you down. They're judgmental all the time. They're critical. They complain all the time. Nothing is ever good enough. 
It reminds me of the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. After 400 years of being in slavery, they get set free. Everyone who's ever known anyone, they were all slaves, no freedom. They get set free and they're walking away from Egypt. And within just a few days, they start complaining and whining. Why can't we have food like we had back in Egypt? And they whine and they complain and they go off on Moses and his brother Aaron. And they just have this chronically negative and it lasts for 40 years. They're just negative, 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 negative. How many of you have someone in your life who is chronically negative? Raise your hand. Okay, don't point at the person, okay? Just just raise your hand. That's all you got to do. The second type is the controller. The controller. These people are just kind of overbearing. They are demanding, they're manipulative, they may be abusive, they may be to a point where you actually feel intimidated and fearful every time that you're around them. Perhaps they make you feel guilty all the time for what you do and every time you're around them, you're like on eggshells, like I don't want them to be mad at me and and, and they just control everything. So how many of you know someone in your life who is a controller? Just raise your hand, okay? Some of you are like, well, I don't know if I can raise my hand. I have to ask the person first, right? Uh, Yeah, exactly. That's the case in point. Then a final one is this toxic company that can lead us into hot mess relationships is someone like this, the tempter, those who are constantly tempting us. This could be the boyfriend who always wants to tempt you to do something that you don't want to do, and yet they're always tempting you. This could be your buddies who are telling you, uh, hey, come with us. And you're like, well, I know if I go there, I'm going to do some things that probably isn't good. And, and I really want to find a good Christian woman to have a relationship with. And, and they're like, no, 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 come on, man. We're having a kegger, dude. Come on, kegger. Let's all do it together. And you're like, I don't want to go get trashed. I don't want to do that. And yet they kind of tempt you in some way. It could be the person who's always sending you uh, porn pictures or some kind of uh, funny racial joke, and they always send that to you, and, and you want your mind to be pure, and you don't want to go off in that tangent, but they just send the images. Now, it, it may not be the dirty sins. It could be as easy as someone who's always trying to get you to shop. And you're in debt and your credit cards are overextended. They're come on, come on, they got all these deals. Let's shop till we drop. And you're like, no, 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 no. I just, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, it could be the person at work who's gossiping all the time and they try to get you sucked in and say, come on, come on, let's talk about these people too. And you just go over and over and over. Folks, remember that these are the different people that can create a hot mess in not just that relationship, but other ones as well. And so we have to be careful when the individual is chronically negative or they're a controller or they're a tempter because the truth is it rubs off. And we can become toxic like that. And heck, we all are like that sometimes. And so what are some strategies that we can do in those hot mess relationships when those struggles are taking place? Well, for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is share with you two simple principles that are biblical and are effective if you can place them in your life on how to manage hot mess relationships. How do you manage them? 
First of all, what you do is you set boundaries. You make a commitment that I'm going to set boundaries. Now, what is a boundary? A boundary keeps the bad out and allows the good to stay in. A boundary keeps the bad out and keeps the good in. It's not that people are necessarily bad or horrible, but their behavior or their personality or their attitudes can actually become kind of dangerous for you and me. Now, folks, I realize that some of you are sitting there today and you're probably saying, well, that doesn't sound very Christian. That doesn't sound very loving that you would actually set a boundary. But I want you to understand that it's very Christ-like to do this sort of thing. It really, really is. In fact, Jesus often set boundaries. For example, he would go into a town and there would be many sick people who wanted to be healed. He didn't heal every single person. And the disciples would actually say, no, 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 there's more. And people would say, please stay, please stay. And he said, no, I'm going on to the next town because that's where the father wants me to go. And he would leave. He didn't select every single person to be his disciple. He didn't have like 200 disciples. He said, no, 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 I'm going to have 12. That's what I have. And even with those 12, he actually set some boundaries. Regularly, they would say, Jesus, let's just stay here. Let's hang out. Let's be together. Let's be in ministry. And there would be cities where there would be miracles and healings and teachings and all kinds of stuff. And they'd say, Jesus, it's so good. Let's stay here. And he'd say, no, no, no. I'm going up to be with my father on the mountaintop. I don't want you to follow me. You stay here. I'm going up there. I'm going to get closer to him. And they would plead and they would beg and they'd say, no, 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 please, Jesus, stay. We just want you to stay. Please, please, please. You're not being kind when you do this. And anything that would keep him from doing his father's business, he said, no. He set a boundary and he would go on. One of those particular uh, disciples was a guy by the name of Peter. And an example of this is that here's a guy, Peter, who's a rugged, tough kind of fisherman And he's an individual who was on fire for the things of God and for the mission that Jesus had. And one day, Jesus has given a lesson to the disciples. And at the end of it, he says, I'm going to have to give up my life and go die on a cross. But it's going to be a really good thing for you and for the world. I'm going to die on a cross for each one of you, but your sins will be taken away and there'll be new life and it'll be good for you. And Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus, that is not going to happen on my watch. No one is going to take you out. I promise you that there's no way that that is going to happen to you. Now, look at the boundary the very kind of firm boundary that Jesus gives to Peter. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In other words, Peter, your spiritual enemy is working through you right now to get me off track to what God wants me to do. You're, you're taking me away from God's page. And I'm going to set a boundary right now. And this is it. Get behind me, Satan. I am not going to let you trip me up. Now, 
I would not recommend that you say this to your mother-in-law. Get behind me, Satan, okay? You might want to say that, okay? But I would encourage you not to go that direction. Just don't do it. But there may be times... There may be times in your life in an effort to honor God for the things that he's called you to do that you will have to set some type of boundary with your family, your friends, maybe your coworkers. Now, a couple very practical things because sometimes people are like, well, how do I do that? What should I say? I've got someone in my life like this, but what should I say to them? So if there's a person who is constantly negative or controlling or they're tempting you in some way, here is one of the things that you could say. And it's this, I won't let you talk to me that way or I will not let you treat me that way. I will not let you talk to me that way or I will not let you treat me that way. You don't go off on them. You don't yell at them. You don't kind of, you know, raise your tone towards them. You just kind of calmly say to them, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way, or I'm not going to let you treat me that way. For example, Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas will follow. And you're going to have some of those psycho families that are around you in these family functions. And why it happens if one of them comes up and starts talking bad about your spouse or talking bad about your kids or your mom or your dad, what do you do? You just calmly say, if you're going to talk about my kids, if you're going to talk about my husband, if you're going to talk about my wife in that particular way, I'm going to walk away and I'm going into the next room. I'm not going to let you do that. Or let's say that you're with a friend or a coworker and they're starting to talk about all of your inadequacies. You open up to them and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm going to manipulate this. And they look at you and they start saying, oh, you know what? You do look like you're gaining weight. You do look like you're kind of a little pudgy there. And you're like, whoa. Or or they're like, you know what? You're not as smart as you used to be. You used to do this thing really, really fast. And you don't do that so well now. And you know what? You're just not as pretty as you used to be. No, no, no. In those moments, you pause. You don't punch. You pause. (laughs) Take a breath. And then you say, I will not let you talk to me in that way. I won't let you treat me that way. I'm going to walk away right now and I'm going to the break room. You will not talk to me that way. And you do that. For those of you who are students, middle school, high school, college students, something is said. You walk away, go to another room, go to a locker. You say, you will not talk to me that way. It's a very simple, practical boundary, but it catches people actually in the moment where you say, I will not let you treat me that way. I will not let you talk to me that way. The second kind of principle is I'm not going there. Okay. So this is your next fill in. I'm not going there with you. I'm not going there with you. You don't have to get all preachy and judgmental and go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you were doing this. And and then you just get all kind of Christianese on them and they just walk away from you. You just say, you know what? I disagree and I'm not going to go there with you. For example, Ladies, let's say that you have a ladies' night, you go out, you're all hanging around, you're all eating together, and one lady starts ripping on their husband. 
They're just like putting their husband down, putting their husband down. And pretty soon, you know, bad company corrupts good character. It starts filtering into some of the other women. They're like, you think that's bad? Let me tell you about my husband. And then you start talking bad about them. This is what you do. You finally say, you know what? I'm not going there with you guys. If you're going to put your husbands down, I'm not going to do that because I want to build my husband up. And I'm not saying that he's perfect. I'm not saying that he has it all together, but I'm going to choose to think the best of him. And I'm not going there with you. What if you battle alcohol and you battled it for much of your life and you finally have turned the corner and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm not doing that. And somebody comes up to you and says, come on, man, we're going to go pate. Come on, let's do it. And you're like, ah, you've been sober and you've been, you know, not drinking, but everyone's getting you to do that or to overdrink. You're like, no, I'm just not going to go there. You're my friend. I appreciate you so much. And uh, I'm not putting you down. If you want to do that, you can. But I'm not going with you guys. I'm not going there. What if you're dating someone and you're trying to honor some Christian principles on where boundaries are sexually and they just start putting the moves on you one night? What do you do? You go, back it up. Beep, 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 beep. You back it up. Okay, like the truck. And then you tap into your best Beyonce imitation. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. No ring, no thing. No ring, no thing. And you do that. You have to set the boundaries. Now, some of you are going to leave today and the only thing you will remember is no ring, no thing. Folks, that's just one boundary. But many of you need to set some within your life if you want to get out of some of the hot mess relationships you're in. That's what you do. You just tell them, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And let me tell you this, that if you'll do this, if you'll set some boundaries, God honors healthy boundaries. He really does. Every single moment that you set one that is honoring unto him, it may take multiple times. It may be difficult. You may have to tell the person over and over again. But eventually, if you'll do that over and over again, God says, you know what? I will honor that healthy boundary. Now, all of that being said, there are times in which you can do that. You set the boundary and a person doesn't respect the boundary. They walk across that. What do you do in that moment? I mean, they may tempt you. They'll criticize you. They'll abuse you in some way. What do you do? If they're pouring poison into you to where you can't follow the things of God, what do you do with that? Well, at a particular time, you may have to do something dramatic. And uh, some people may not agree with me on this, but I think it's 100% biblical. And I think it's true that sometimes in hot mess relationships, when people ignore the boundaries, what you have to do is you have to cut off the relationship. You actually have to finally say, no more. I'm cutting off the relationship. You have to cut it off. That's what you have to do. Now, I want to be very, very clear on this because sometimes you can leave from something like this and take something and go, oh, okay, good. Like, for instance, let's say with marriage that you have a difficult spouse and you're like, you know what? I'm going to divorce them after the message today. I'm cutting it off. You're difficult. 
Everybody's difficult. There's not a marriage I know that doesn't have its own difficulties. That doesn't mean you divorce that person. Doesn't mean you end it. If the person is even toxic, and sometimes they are, you work through that. You do whatever you can. You pray. You share it maybe with your small group. You actually get some other people to pray. You get some help. You get some counseling. But you just don't immediately just say, you know what? I don't like the way they're talking to me. I'm out. I'm divorcing them. That's it. Now, in issues of abuse, if they're physically, emotionally, uh, you know, mentally abusing, that's a different thing. You may have to cut something off there. But if it's simply, hey, you know what? They're difficult. Well, get used to it. That's human beings. And we have to work through that. You have to work through that. Uh, you don't divorce your family either. I can't tell you how much it saddens me so much that I'll hear parents sometimes that will say, you know what? I'm cutting off my kid. I'm done with them. Or children will say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with my dad anymore. I don't want anything to do with my mom anymore. And they, and they do that. And folks, family is going to be difficult sometimes. It's going to be a challenge. You, you don't just walk away. Well, he said this, or she said that, or Aunt Susie said this, or Uncle Fred said that. And so, no, 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 no. You work through that stuff. Now, again, if they're abusive in some way, then you may have to get out. You may have to cut it off. But I want that to be very, very clear. You see, folks, there are times in which you and I may have to cut off a relationship or cut it off for a while. There's a great biblical example of this uh, in the Old Testament, in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, of a guy by the name of Joseph. And in Joseph's story, one day he gets sold into slavery, and while he's a slave, he works his way up to be uh, kind of the master of the house of his master, a guy by the name of Potiphar. And he does anything and everything that the family wants. Joseph is there simply to be a servant. Anything the family needs, he's right there. Well, one day, Potiphar's wife kind of looks at him in a different way and says, Hey, he's looking pretty good. And so she does something extremely inappropriate. She makes a move on him and watch as Joseph immediately cuts off the relationship. Scripture says this, Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. And he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. Now, folks, this story has been ingrained in my head and has given me so much wisdom and I'm so grateful for it because of something that happened to me very early on in my life as being a pastor in my 20s. Shortly after I became a pastor, there was uh, this story. I hadn't really read Genesis before, and I read it, and I kind of was like, man, Joseph's kind of wimpy. Like, couldn't he have handled this a little bit differently? I mean, it's just a woman. Like, couldn't he deal with this in a different way? He just seemed like a wimp running away. And uh, two weeks later, there was a woman who was having some issues in her marriage, and she came to my office. And uh, we started talking uh, to each other, and I was trying to uh, encourage her and comfort her and help counsel her in different ways. And she asked for another appointment, and we, did a, we uh, had the exact same kind of conversation. 
Well, eventually, I noticed that she stopped calling, but she would just stop by the office, and it was when the secretary wasn't there. And I'm in my 20s, and I'm like, I want to help anyone and everyone. And so I kept doing this over and over, and she was very attractive and very nice, very sweet, very kind. And one day, we were in the staircase, and we're talking, and I'm trying to comfort her, when all of a sudden, she moves in for a kiss. Got the picture? And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I'm not, I'm, I'm telling you, it's true. I see Joseph running down the stairs. And I told myself, you better follow Joe. And so I ran down the stairs. I went across the basement, ran across the parking lot, into my parsonage, locked the doors. I'm telling the truth. I locked the doors. And it was at that moment that I realized I had to cut off this relationship. And so I called her and I said, hey, I I can refer you to a counselor, but we can't do this anymore because I really think you need some help. And I cut off the relationship in the midst of that. Folks, sometimes things can become dangerous and what you need to do is cut it off. For example, teenagers, sexting is a real thing. People giving their parts and giving you pictures. And if someone's doing that regularly, they're like, I don't want to see that. I want to honor God. I don't want to do that. Well, you tell them, hey, I don't want to do that. And if they keep on doing it, you block their phone. You don't have to call them. You can cut that off. You really can set the boundary. Let's say that you're in a business with a business partner or there's a coworker that you work with and they want you to do something unethical. And they're like, hey, come on, do this. And you're like, no, 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 I don't want to. And they just keep persisting and saying, come on, come on. I really want you to do this. Eventually you cut it off and you say, I'd rather walk away and keep my integrity than to do this or with a coworker to take something away. You're married and someone starts flirting with you at the office. You just stop it. You saw Joseph run, you run, you say, nope, I'm not going to do it. You cut off the relationship. You follow him. Folks, it's very easy for you and I to have relationships that become a hot mess. And it's very easy, folks, for bad company to corrupt good character. Now, Does this mean we should never be around toxic people? Absolutely not. The truth is, most of the world is filled with toxic people. Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on a cross. For who? For toxic people. You and I sometimes can become toxic as well and create all kinds of hot messes. But, but, when the toxicity gets so bad that it's drawing you away from making good decisions, when it's polluting you, it's corrupting you, it's destroying you, it's making you not honor God in a certain way, then that is when you may have to not just set a boundary, but you may have to cut off the relationship. And so earlier this week, I was thinking to myself, what are some of the ways that I could help you the most as we wrap things up in our teaching today. And this is what I would say. I would say that for some of you, you need to ask yourself this question. Is it time to set a boundary? Is it time within some relationship that I have with a family member, coworker, neighbor, that I need to set a boundary? And maybe for some of you, 
the relationship that you're thinking about is so toxic that you would have to cut it off or cut it off for a season. I've had to do that many times. For a season, I just said, you know what? I can't be in this. And when the person matured, when they grew up a little bit, when they were, you know, not in the crazy, then, hey, I'll engage in that again. So here's the practical step that I want you to take. In your program, so if you would, pull out your program for those of you who are here or pull it up on the app. At the very, very, uh, or near the bottom, there's simply a question that I'd like you to ask yourself. Is there a hot mess relationship in your life? Maybe it's with a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a family member. And I want you to take a small step prayer. A small prayer step. That's it. A small prayer step this week. So we're going to give you a moment here just between you and God. We're going to bring the lights down. And just between you and God, no one looking around. If there's someone in your life who is negative, chronically negative towards you, or they're controlling you, or they're maybe tempting you in some way, I want you to take a moment and to write that person's name down. You don't have to show it to anybody. You can leave it on your phone, but maybe there's a person that you're like, you know what they are, and they're consuming me. They're polluting me. They're corrupting me. They're, they're taking me down a path that I don't want to go. Or someone is so negative that, that you just feel worse about yourself every time you're around. Write that name down, and then I'm going to challenge you this week to simply be praying one minute each day. God, what do you want me to do with this relationship? So we're going to give you one minute right now to think about that. Ask God, God, who is it in my life that you want me to set a boundary or maybe I need to cut something off and to put their name down? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, whatever the hot mess relationship is that people are in right now, however toxic it may be, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give them strength, each person here, each person on the stream, that you would give them strength and wisdom on knowing what next step they need to take. Help us as we take these steps, God, not to be mean-spirited or judgmental or uh, condemning in any way, but to simply set up some appropriate spiritual boundaries. God, I pray that you would be with people right now, that you would give them the courage to have conversations or to be able to say those practical things. I will not let you talk to me that way. I will not let you treat me that way. I will not go there with you. And God, if there is a relationship that's so toxic, it's abusive, it's taking us away from the things of God, it's keeping us from doing what you've called us to do, I pray that you would give people the courage to 
know how to step away to redefine that and to break it off if necessary. God, thank you so much for reminding us today that bad company corrupts good character. And give us the courage not to allow that to happen to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today, maybe for some of you, the hot mess relationship that you have right now is with God. You're angry at God. You're mad at God. God didn't come through in some way, and you've just been toxic toward him. And you're here today, but in your mind, you're like, you know what? I'm struggling with that. Or, or there's a piece of you that you're just like, well, I don't even know if God would want anything to do with me. I mean, I've been such a hot mess. There's been so many relationships that I've let people walk over me. And, and, and finally, I was like, God, this is your fault. And, and that's you. And you look on your past and you're like, you know what? I just don't think God could receive me. Well, this is the truth about God. He loves you. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to leave heaven to come to earth so that he could have a relationship with you. And he said, not only will I relate with them, but I'll go to a cross, I'll die upon it so that they can have abundant life while they're here on earth. And then three days later, he rose again and said, I'll give them eternal life forever. Folks, up until the age of 26, I thought because of my bad Decisions, my bad choices, that there was no way that I could climb the ladder to God. I just wasn't good enough. And then I realized it wasn't about me climbing up to God, but it was about God coming downstairs, down the ladder, into a relationship with me and saying, regardless of how toxic you've been in your past, I love you, Chris. I want you. I want a relationship with you. And I experienced grace for the first time in my life that said, there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me more that God God simply loves me as is. And maybe today for some of you, you're like, I want that relationship. I have so many relationships that are a hot mess, but I want that relationship with Jesus. I want his love. I want his grace. I want forgiveness for everything. I want a home in heaven. I want that. And if you want that, he is here to give that to you. And the way that we do that here is through a prayer, but it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we share together. You never pray alone here. But as you pray this, God is present and he's here to be able to walk with you through this and to give you a new life, new relationship with him. And if today you're ready for that, to have that relationship reconciled, then I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. That if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes, bow your head, and repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.